everyone, Camille here, and today I wanted to give my best attempts to unpack some of the complex ideas of, you know, training and nutrition, sleep, water. I'm going to take each topic one day at a time, and we're going to try to unpack the topic as best of my ability to help give you kind of a better understanding of the whole picture and kind of where to get started depending on what your goals are at. So for nutrition, today I'm going to talk about a couple things all across the spectrum depending on where you are in your goals for your health and fitness. So on the maintenance side of the scale, so this is going to be if the smaller the problem, the closer to maintenance we're going to be. So if we're currently not experiencing any imminent health risks, we're just looking to live a, a more balanced life, maybe just a little bit healthier, we don't have any problems chasing us, which means we're probably going to go into this nutrition boat a little bit slower. Um, or this is also where you end up after you've put in years of hard work to correct the problem. So this would be a maintenance phase for anybody looking to maintain and maybe enhance. So on that side of the scale, we would see intuitive eating. So intuitive eating is not tracking your macros or calories and being able to maintain your body weight um, just by eating the foods that you're eating throughout the day. Ways that you can utilize tools that I would use when I'm intuitive eating. Um, that's the stage that I am in at this point in my life. I have done six bodybuilding shows, had a, you know, 30 pound swing many, many times. I'm sitting now at probably 140 pounds at about, I would guesstimate 16% body fat. Um, I enjoy where I'm at for my physique and my fit health and fitness goals, healthy body fat for myself. I enjoy the physique that I have. So my goal is to maintain my weight. And I do that through intuitive eating. So I'm not measuring the foods that I'm eating currently, though we'll talk about um, once you kind of track your macros for a certain period of time, you can't ever untrack your macros. So you're, you're pretty aware of what foods you're putting into your body just because of the hard work you put in years before. And so how I keep tabs on my intuitive eating, is it working, is it not, is by weighing myself on my scale regularly. I'm going to say at least once a week I hop on the scale just out of a place of curiosity just to see where I'm at to see if my body weight has gone up or down, and then I would adjust my food choices off of that. So that would really be the the end game goal for a lot of people. If we have uh, some weight to lose, or we're looking to get healthier, this is kind of where you want to end up, where you can just pretty it. You're putting in a minimal amount of effort, and you're you're at you're where you want. You just want to keep where you're at currently, and. You know, one step closer to, you know, if I was trying to lose weight from here, you, I could deplore one of the, the next three strategies to do this. Um, and there's many other strategies here, uh, and I'm really going to focus on two of them. I'm just going to mention the third one. You know, intermittent fasting could be a solution if I wanted to just restrict my overall calorie intake just by eating one less meal per day. Um, that could be an effective solution. However... If we're not at a place where we're looking to maintain, that might not be a good solution. So I'm really going to focus on macros and meal plan. So I have meal plan on the far right side of the spectrum, meaning we have an imminent health risk. 
we need to bring our body fat down as fast as we can in a healthy manner. And we need to control for all variables. So this is when I would pick the meal plan because it's going to cleanse your palate of the kind of that crud food. And you're going to be able to control for a lot of variables. So you're not going to have to worry about different foods affecting your body in different ways. And this all starts, in my opinion, a good meal plan starts with a good grocery shopping list. So I like to do my grocery shopping by my my macro buckets. So there, you can kind of see there's starting to be some gray area along the spectrum of you can't really do a meal plan without considering your macros. And when you're doing your macros, you probably are a creature of habit like most people, and you're going to probably eat the same types of things on a day-to-day basis. So they do go hand-in-hand with each other. But So when you're grocery shopping, you want to think about getting your proteins, good, clean, lean proteins. And that protein should be the center of pretty much every meal. Most people are going to be under-eating protein, um, mostly because... It's not the most palatable palatable of the foods, or it doesn't have to be, or it can be. And it can be the more expensive item on the list. But if your goals are to lose body fat and to add muscle mass, then you're going to want to prioritize your protein at whatever expense. And so basically, the farther to the right we are, the bigger the problem, the more I expect people to be able to essentially turn their life inside out, upside down, and be able to prioritize their nutrition. Um, So if you find yourself a little bit more in the middle, you're going to see slower results because there's more room for error and there's, it's just, it's going to take longer because we're not keeping everything nice and tidy. So for the meal plan, essentially you're going to measure out each of your meals and pack them, cook them all on one day, most likely, and eat, just grab your stack of meals, buckets that you need for the week, and you're going to eat those throughout the day. Why I like this, the, be, the kind of the pros and cons of meal planning are going to be the pros. It takes like five to six hours one day per week, which seems like it's a lot of time. But if you think you were to spend 30 minutes per meal throughout the week, you're going to be in a lot more time just because of the setup and the teardown of all the individual meals. Now, the... If you're going to meal prep for a week at a time, I would highly recommend planning that you freeze your meals for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and take them out kind of one day in advance to keep the optimal freshness. And you want to think about, okay, which foods are going to reheat the best? Is it going to be, I I would do a rice, a freezer vegetable, and then some sort of protein, whatever your personal preference is. That is just the easiest way to do meal prepping for me. And it's the most foolproof. It reheats really well. When you're reheating your rice meals, um, put a wet paper towel over the top of it and put it in the microwave and it'll reheat the rice just perfectly. And then you can keep, you know, if you have a pasta meal or if you have a meal that has a salad along with it, you would eat those, you know, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday so that you didn't have to put them in the freezer. I also love, you know, anytime I'm cooking a meal, so I guess the, that would be the, the bulk cook version of how to do a meal plan. The non-bulk cook version of how to do a meal plan would be if you cook dinner every night for, let's say you have a, a family of two, it's just maybe a husband and wife, and you would cook a meal as if you were cooking for an entire family, and then you would take the leftovers and either freeze them 
to kind of build up your stockpile of grab-and-go meals or toss them in the fridge and eat that for tomorrow. Um, so you don't have to meal plan or meal prep in order to have success with this. But the big key part here is that we thought about what we were going to eat well in advance of what we're actually going to eat. And I think that that's a strategy that you want to implore throughout all aspects of your nutrition, especially when it comes to cheat meals. If you're going to have some form of a cheat meal, um, whether it's a birthday, a wedding, a dinner date, a, a office date, or an office meal, you're going, in my opinion, you want, there's nothing wrong with going off of a specific plan, but it depends on what your goals are. If you're dieting for a bodybuilding show that is in an X amount of weeks, you probably shouldn't rationalize too many of those reasons to veer off of your plan because you have a very large time-sensitive goal in place. Now, if you're someone who's just looking to lose weight and maybe you're only 20 pounds overweight, then you can probably have a little bit more, you know, one or two times a month of leeway of opportunities. And if you have, you know, more than 50 pounds of weight to lose, just remember that the more times we veer off of the plan, the longer it's going to take us to pull that weight off. If we can stay really clean and concise on our plan, the faster we're going to be able to pull off that weight. So how many cheat meals you have really depends on how serious you are about pulling that weight off or about achieving your goals. If you're just kind of lackadaisical about it, well, I hate to say, but two cheat meals a week can really destroy your progress because of just the caloric amount. Say you're in a 200 calorie deficit five days of the week, and on the weekend, you eat 1,000 calories extra, which is not a hard task to do, especially if you're indulging in packaged or processed foods. Then your entire week's worth of calorie deficit is gone in one day. And now say that one cheat day turned into two cheat days, and now we're 2,000 calories over our 600 calorie deficit. Well, now we've got two weeks to undo, and if you have another cheat meal the next week, we've completely lost all progress. Our body really needs to stay in a calorie deficit for an extended period of time, um, or just a, a, a week over week it needs to be in a deficit. If we're only in a deficit for five out of the seven days, and the two days of the week are over our deficit, then we're not in a deficit. Our body's not going to be losing the weight the way we want it to. So take that into consideration when it comes to your cheat meals. And I highly suggest don't idolize your food. Don't dream about it. Just look at something else. It is a really simple concept of what you think about, you bring about. So if while you're on this quote-unquote diet or meal plan and you're just oogling over tasty, yummy, delicious, calorie-intense treats, and there's no wonder that when that goal gets achieved that you're going to go straight line for that those heavy calorie-intense treats. And that type of behavior is really a red flag for me because that can lead to binge eating behavior. And that is absolutely going to halt us in terms of our weight loss goals as well. 
And that type of restrictive eating and that restrictive mindset is only going to lead to more and more binge eating, which causes more psychological damage in my personal opinion. So speaking from my own personal experience, I did this the first time that I competed. I laid in bed every single night and looked at Pinterest recipes of ooey gooey desserts. And I literally named the, the, the board Sweet Treats for After Comp. Well, it's not a real mystery as to why I battled binge eating after my first competition. I would say it would have been more surprising if I didn't have problems with it because of how much I was just eyeballing such sweet treats that once that show was gone, that's what I was going to lean into. I had 779 pins of desserts for after my competition. That is setting yourself up for failure. And I know this from personal experience. I no longer suffer from binge eating, though it was a very real thing for me at a time. And it's a very scary place to be. You feel very out of control as a person. And if you didn't have a good self-esteem before that, you sure won't after. Because you feel like you're uncontrollable and you can't even control yourself. Because you pushed your body to such extremes and focused it in the wrong areas. Instead, I would recommend, honestly, just getting a hobby. Find something else that can occupy your brain space as to when you would be watching the Food Channel or being on Pinterest. Go pick up a hobby, whether it's an artistic one or not. It doesn't matter to me. Just find something to, or, you know, pick up a passion project. That would really be the best way to do it. Um, Find something you love doing and try to make some income from it. That would be a great alternative to staring at food every night as you lay in bed. If you're on this journey to better yourself and lose body fat, let's try to really better ourselves and find new creative ways to make money doing things that we love doing. So that's a big, you know, the, the, the touchable tangible is to think about your food before you eat it. The psychological aspect is to make sure you're not overthinking about your food. There's a balance of it all, right? We have to think about our food a little bit to make sure we're going to be eating foods that are good choices for us, but we don't want to overthink about food, especially the food that we can't have, quote unquote, can't. Um, And then we'll really fixate on what we can't have. What you think about, you bring about. Focus on the foods that you can have. Look up good, healthy recipes that that are in accordance with what you're eating. And honestly, at the end of the day, recipes, ah, don't make it harder than it has to be. Find different sauces and spices that Add flavor without adding extra calories. (coughs) And go with that. That's going to be a better option than focusing on something you don't want or you can't have. And now on the flip side of this coin, if you're like, you know what? I'm going to fight to have Oreos. I want to lose weight and eat Oreos. Then guess what? There's There's a solution for that as well. I was very much a proud advocate of tracking your macros for many, many years, and I was able to eat cereal on a daily basis and diet down for my pro card. I was able to successfully lose body fat and eat foods that I wanted to eat, like English muffins and cereal and other foods that I really enjoyed. However, there, everything comes with a trade-off. If you're choosing to track macros, what you will be surrendering is physical time. Time is finite. It, I tra- had a phone app that tracked the time that I spent. And there was about eight hours a week 
of tracking that I would spend on my phone tracking in my food into my app. That's because I chose to fly by the seat of my pants and enter in food on the fly, which involved a lot more plug and play. Plug, see what happens. Plug, see what happens. Enter in the food, try to see if I can finagle it into my macros for the rest of the day. So I chose to spend a large amount of time. That is a part-time job, people. But to me, at that time, for my goals, it was totally worth it. I was able to eat foods that I really wanted in trade-off of hitting my fitness goals, but I had to work for a part-time job to get there. But what... After I got done tracking macros, what I real let let's 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 hold on macros for just a second here. So tracking your macros, what is a macro? Let me unpack that. I tend to just over skip over that because I've been tracking macros for a long time, so I understand what they are. But let let's unpack it. That's what we're here to do. So a macro is what your body needs in large quantities. So in other words, proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. So let's think about, let's talk about protein first since we kind of already touched on that. We want to make sure our body is getting enough protein so that we can A, hold on to the muscle we have, and B, allow for our bodies to add more muscle if possible. And C, eating more protein has an increased thermogenic effect, which means your body burns more calories breaking down protein than it does breaking down cereal, for example. So the more protein we have, the more our body is going to be consuming or um, using energy to break that food down, which can help us in our weight loss process as well. And if our body has too much protein, it basically just converts it and uses it as a form of glucose. So there's no real fear of going uh, super high on protein when it's reference to fat loss. If we're talking about health and vitality, if you are at a healthy body fat and you wanted to live for more of a longevity standpoint, and there are no imminent health risks that we are not overweight, then a lower protein diet might be an okay option. But again, I'm talking specifically for people who are looking for fat reduction. A high protein diet is uh, a great place to start. For carbohydrates. Uh, This is one that I like to relate carbohydrates to gasoline in your car. So if you're driving your car a ton, you're going to have to stop and fill up the gas tank quite a bit more than someone who doesn't drive a lot. So if you are an athlete and you're working out, you know, for an hour, an hour and a half every day, you have a very active job, you're on your feet all the time you're walking all over, you're absolutely going to need to stop and fill up the gas tank quite a bit more. You're going to have carbohydrates at more meals throughout the day and just more carbohydrates in general. Now, if you're someone who sits at a desk all day and doesn't um, move around quite a bit, maybe only goes for a 20-minute walk every day, you're probably not going to need to fill up the tank that often. And a lot of people are having, you know, a sandwich and an apple. Seems like a healthy meal, but we're double dipping on carbohydrates there. And that's a big problem because we're just overspilling the carbohydrates. We're pouring gas onto the concrete right now. We're overfilling it. And that looks in the form of our bodies as excess body fat. So we don't want to be dumping in more carbohydrates than we need. So I would rather say err on the side lighter carbohydrates, especially if our movement and activity is lower. So again, if you're an athlete, you're going to need more. Or if you're working out regularly and consistently, you're going to need more. 
Or if you're not working out, you're not, you live a fairly sedentary life, you're just going to require less carbohydrates and less calories in general. Um, and I'll, I'll get to that more in the, the fitness portion. Um, and then fat. So we want to make sure that our bodies are having a pretty minimal amount of fat so that our brain is functioning on a proper level or hormones are functioning on a proper level. And we want to make sure we just don't exceed we, we don't want an overly high fat diet because that's really just going to equate to super high calories. And at the end of the day, it is calories in, calories out equates to weight loss. So something you can think about here for our fats um, or to kind of put it in greater perspective is for every one gram of fat, there is nine calories. For every one gram of protein and carbs, there's only four calories. So as you can see, a small portion of fats is going to have a heavier calorie impact than protein or carbs. So that's why almonds tend to be super high calorie, even though they're a pretty small food in your hand once you hold it. So that's something to consider when it comes to fats is you want to make sure you're having enough of them to make sure that our overall body is functioning normal and healthily. Um, you know, I would say some minimum levels. If I had to just give a ballpark for fats, I would say 50 for women at, at, you know, at the end of the day, 50 grams of fat. And for men, maybe 70. And again, that depends on a lot of different factors. Um, if you're interested in finding out what your specific macronutrients can be, send me an email at camisoul at gmail.com. Um, I also have a male trainer I can refer you to as well. My brother, if you'd like to work with a male trainer, totally fine. That's not what this is about. I'm just saying when we start to talk about macros, a lot of people are really interested. Okay, well, how do I find out what mine are? Well, we can help you. Just talk to us. We'll give you your specific ones. These are going to, your macros are going to be so highly specific to you and your age, your weight, your activity levels, all parts about you. So you really shouldn't be on the same macros as like your buddy unless they're your twin. And even then, things could be different. So that's kind of the big picture at what you're tracking your macros uh, why tracking your macros is beneficial because we want to make sure we're getting certain minimums of these protein, fats, and carbs, and then looking at our overall calories in reference to kind of where would that sweet spot be for us to be able to lose weight. In general, with calories, we want to think about, you know, there's kind of two ways to lose weight. There's eating as few calories as possible. How much can you survive on? you're probably going to lose weight if you're eating just a tiny amount of calories because that's what your body is trained to do. But how I like to attack dieting or losing weight is how many calories can we eat? Or how, come, how many calories can we get away with eating and still lose weight? I want to see the maximum amount of food that we can eat and lose weight so that that gives us more tricks to pull later down the line. Because if we start right away with getting your body used to a thousand calories worth of food, your body is going to shut down resources and basically make that fire inside smaller and smaller and smaller. It's going to slow down your metabolism because it doesn't have enough fuel. So it's going to get, it's going to have a smaller fire. Whereas if we can feed that fire, get your body revving by stimulating it with different exercise and feeding your body enough food, we want to get your body right underneath that basal metabolic rate so that body is happy to shed that excess weight because it's not in an ultra stressed out state and it's able to kind of let go of that excess fat as we go. So those are kind of some things to think about in reference to your nutrition. Yes, it is going to take a little bit longer to pull off body fat if we're getting our calorie for calories are higher, 
but that's because that's setting yourself up for long-term success. If you have been battling your weight for a long time and you finally want results, you should be looking for the long-term solution always because there is no quick fix. This is If you find a quick fix, it will have a counter force and you will have to undo the counter fix and now our metabolism might be, might be slower because of it. So I would encourage anyone to look for the long-term solution and the lifestyle change that goes along with that. So what tracking my macros taught me was the education component. It taught me what foods contained what macronutrients. If you don't know what two macronutrients is primary composed in cheese or how what orange juice is orange juice a protein is orange juice a fat or is orange juice a carb well orange juice is a carb and it probably has more carbs than you think it does so it tracking your macros and you know having that constant touch point of what food you're putting into your body and what numbers that associates with in reference to especially what your goals are for the day it starts to help build that picture and be able to tack it to something that you can basically give yourself the tools to be able to make an educated choice at some point down the line. So tracking your macros for a short period of time builds up your personal education on what foods contain what macronutrients and how your body responds to these foods so that later down the line when we get to a place where we enjoy the weight that we're at, we can maintain much easier because we already know what foods contain what macronutrients and how that affects our overall daily goals. So that really education piece is the ticket to long-term success. Learn about what foods contain what macronutrients. There is no such thing as good food and bad food, but it's how it affects your body and kind of the overall picture. So but what I learned when I switched from tracking macros to more of an intuitive eating style was that macros fuel your body, but micronutrients fuel your brain. They fuel your energy. They fuel your zest for life. And micros are, you know, your vitamins and minerals. And we get those from vegetables, fruits, um, sometimes supplementation, you know, rather unprocessed foods. Pizza tends to not have as many micronutrients as a salad with lots of berries, nuts, and seeds. And so when I was tracking my macros, I really was missing that component of making sure that all of my micronutrients were in check. And... Now I choose to eat food not to get to my weight loss goal, but to give me the best energy that I can feel. So, and here's the experiment of kind of how I figured that out for myself. After eating pizza and ice cream and, you know, ramen noodles and pancakes for two days in a row, I would almost guaranteed for that third day be sitting in the chair. I would have a more negative mindset. I would feel worse about how I looked and how I felt. More importantly, I would feel more fatigued, more exhausted. And there was something that I was missing. Like It didn't feel like my body was burning good, clean, high-octane fuel. But when I chose to eat good, clean, you know, oatmeal for breakfast, oatmeal and eggs for breakfast, um, you know, getting rid of some more anti-inflammatory foods, eating your rice, your protein, your veggie for lunch, um, and same for dinner and my different, you know, protein snacks. I felt like my brain had so much more energy. I could think through things clearer. My, my brain space was a more positive place to be. When I eat crappier food, not only do I feel crappy because I ate something that I know doesn't help me, 
but I also feel more ill physically, whether it's the dairy that made my stomach upset and gave me kind of a little like hangover stomach. And it doesn't, when you're in small amounts of pain, that leaves a residual effect on your overall attitude and outlook, which then in turn affects your positive talk to yourself. If you already feel like you failed yourself and ate pizza and now you feel upset about the pizza and your body is also less high functioning, then we're, we're hitting ourselves. We're knocking ourselves when we're down. But what getting, making sure your body is getting the micronutrients that it needs. I felt like I was able to think more clearly, be more energetic, have more positive thoughts or have the ability to have more positive thoughts. Um, and you know, let's talk about specifically a few micronutrients that I think have a bad, bad rap in the area. So I would say that sodium is feared by the masses. I'm not sure when this happened, but it generally seems that most people have this fear of sodium. And when doing my own research in regards to sodium, it's it's clear that there is indeed a, a percent of the population that is negatively affected by high sodium. And those people will know who they are because they probably have had, you know, experience related to high blood pressure in that regard. Now, if you aren't one of the 1% of the population that has been diagnosed with, you know, a sensitivity to high sodium, you should more likely be concerned with your potassium levels in relation to your sodium. So sodium is not the devil. It's actually far from it. Not only if you're an athlete, but also a regular person, we should be having sodium in our diet. Sodium helps our body to be able to push hydration or water into our muscle bellies and help keep our body moving in a balanced manner. So we should in, in, in turn look to increase potassium in our diet rather than start to remove sodium. Especially when we're eating a more clean diet, we're probably not going to be overdoing it on our sodium anyways unless we're eating things like ramen noodles and TV dinners. If we're eating good, clean, natural foods, one ingredient items that come from the earth, we're probably going to be lacking sodium. And then, in sense, we would want to add sodium to our diet. So I would, I salt all of my meals that I eat. That makes sense for it. And the easiest ways for me to increase my potassium or my favorite ways are white potatoes is by and large the fastest way. The banana got the poster child for potassium, though white potatoes have more potassium. Um, than a banana. Black coffee has some potassium, avocados, edamame. There's a lot of different foods that you can strategically put into your daily diet that will help increase your potassium levels, which will in turn help the potassium-sodium relationship. Um, so that one we can get from all from our food. We don't have to supplement there. One area that would that might be wise to look into supplementation for your own diet might be vitamin D. Um, especially if you live in Minnesota or anywhere in the Midwest, there are large parts of the year where we're not getting enough of the vitamin D that we need. So uh, supplementing with a high quality liposomal vitamin D would be a good solution to increase the vitamin D um, within our body. I might have said vitamin C, but I, I meant vitamin D. Um, vitamin C, another great micronutrients, um, helps to you know boost your immune system, a lot of other really good benefits to it as well. Um, and you know, everyone thinks orange when they think vitamin C. And again, I'm not sure who gave the poster child of vitamin C to the orange, but one bell pepper actually has more vitamin C than an orange. So 
make sure to kind of do your research and find out what foods and fruits and veggies actually have uh, the micronutrients that you're needing. An app that I like to use to track my micronutrients and my macronutrients is called Chronometer. Um, that's one of the better ones that I found that tracks all of your micronutrients. Um, so you can kind of get a better picture about where you're sitting, if there's any red flags, if we're going over on any or under on any. I would say under would probably be the, the bigger devil of the two. Um, so that would be kind of some things to think about when it comes to your food choices, even if you are tracking your macros. I never wanted to... I always wanted to eat my carbs in the form of carbs, not in the form of vegetables. So when I was tracking macros, I missed out on nourishing my body to the fullest extent because I chose to eat a potato instead of, you know, my green beans and, and lettuce. So I there's some things that I learned um, from going off of macros because it felt different in my body. Um, another thing I want to talk about, too, in kind of the area between macros and meal plan is some common mistakes mistakes um is our sauces if you're eating ranch mayo barbecue even ketchup you might be adding an excessive amount of calories per day to your diet which could actually be ruining your calorie deficit like i said 200 calories a day for your cal to get you to a calorie deficit could be the difference between two tablespoons of ranch or Ketchup. I, I think someone could easily be eating 30 grams of carbs from their ketchup each day without it being a completely absurd part of their day. If they had ketchup with breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they had, you know, they were pretty heavy handed on their ketchup, maybe a serving and a half of each, that we're going to be getting up there in calories and carbs real quick. So that is something to absolutely be aware of. And that's where tracking your macros really helps to get clear about what's currently happening. It's hard to make changes if you don't know what's currently going in. You don't know which way to change it. You might be severely overeating, or you might be severely undereating, or you might be undereating five days of the week and binge eating two days of the week. And the best way to learn about that is by tracking it. So my best way to do a cheat meal that you can help, again, further education to help set you up for future success is... Even if you are, you know that you are not going to hit your numbers, your proteins, fats, and carbs, and calories for the day, I would still highly encourage you to, to track what goes into your body so that you can get a better picture of like, okay, I had X amount of calories over on this day and that affected my body in this way, whether it's the look or the feel or the weight. You can just start to add more pieces to the puzzle. Now... If the best way to kind of get your nutrition in check or, you know, get it on a better track is to take a genuine interest in it. Start learning about your foods that you're eating. Start learning about how much you're eating and what these foods do to your body in different ways. Come come at the problem from a, a curiosity standpoint. Or if you don't have the time for that and you're not looking to expand your uh, education information in the new food department, but you still know that this is a problem that needs to be addressed, then maybe you should hire someone who has the time to research the foods and the different ratios and how they affect your body and trust them. So if you're choosing to work with a coach, then 
a coach needs to know exactly what is going on or they cannot do their job. If you are not being 110% honest with your coach, they cannot help you because we don't know what's going on. (laughs) We need to know what's going on in order to be able to make changes or give suggestions. And at the end of the day, no one should care more about your health than you do. But that's everyone's choice to make. So if you're like, yes, I care about it, but I just don't have the time or the bandwidth or the mental energy to learn about nutrition and nutrition timing and protein synthesis and thermogenic effect, then trust it to the expert. But you have to do just that. Trust it to the expert. And they're not all diet plans or trainers are created equal. There are some that are going to put you on a severely low calorie diet and not encourage, you know, a lot of exercise or, you know, have some severe low calories. Um, shop around. Talk to three different coaches and see, I'm, I'm really concerned. I really want to make sure that my trainer has the best outlook for me and I want them to know that I'm in it for the long haul and I want to know what your long-term plan is for how to get me to lose weight so I can compare it to two other coaches to see which one is going to be the best fit for me and what I'm looking for and they should be able to give you a big picture overlay of what we're going to do honestly I've never had a single client ask me that what's your long-term plan I would be more than happy to go into detail about it But no one has just ever asked. And it shows me they're just not that curious. They just kind of want to be told what to do. And that's totally cool because we can tell you what to do, but you have it's up to you to follow the plan. And if you don't follow the plan, you have to reiterate that to us. What happened as to why we fell off the plan. And ultimately, if you just want to be told what to do, then you should be ready and willing to kind of turn different areas of your life, not upside down, but be ready to change them. Accept that if you want a physical change in your body, then you have to be willing to change your habits, to change your behavior, to change your mindset, and to change your excuses. Because things like that, we're looking for a long-term solution. So we're going to need to create long-term change. That's just how it goes. If we like where we're at, we don't have to change. If we don't like where we're at, we have to change. And change is very uncomfortable, and it, and it definitely can be, but it depends on how bad you want it. The more serious you are about creating that change, the closer you need to follow the plan and crack down on it and be really consistent with yourself. And just know that putting in the work today sets your future self up for success by giving yourself the education so that you can make an educated decision when it comes to being at your friend's wedding and they pass the cake around. Well... If you are, it depends on what your goals are. Sometimes eating that cake can align with your goals and sometimes it won't. It depends on how severe your goal is and kind of what timeline we're looking at. Are you looking to lose two pounds per week or half a pound a week? That might be the difference between what you do with that cake. Um, and And I think getting clear about how fast you want to lose weight is a really important thing to discuss with your trainer. Do we want to do this the fastest way? Then that's going to involve the most change or potentially sacrifice. So hopefully that helps to give you kind of a bigger picture of all the different assets that feed into changes in regards to our nutrition. We want to consider our options, whether a meal plan or tracking your macros is going to be something that is going to be fit your lifestyle better. But getting clear about what it is that you want, how fast you want to go, and being able, able to trust a professional 
in that regard to consult you along the way, you need to be open and honest with them so that they can help you um, identify any areas for um, improvement and kind of coach you along the way because changing your nutrition can be very much a psychological uh, issue. A lot of people will hold their identity to the foods that they eat um, and they hold a lot of emotion around nutrition. But one of the easiest ways to kind of combat that is literally just to look in a different direction or reassociate what those signs mean. Hunger doesn't mean suffering. Hunger can mean fat loss. And so when you feel hunger, you might actually get a mental signal that says, yes, this is working. I'm losing body fat right now. And you can actually look forward to that feeling if that's where you're at in the program. Ultimately, hunger is not the devil. Hunger is your body's sign of saying, hey, I want food. And you're saying, nope, you got plenty of resources. Figure out how to use them. Then your body's going to figure out how to use the fat that you stored as its fuel source. Hunger is absolutely a part of the process at some point. Sometimes we go from eating a very high calorie but very small volume diet because we're eating higher calorie processed foods so that when we start eating a nutritious meal plan with um, whole one ingredient um, food items that it can feel like we're eating a bigger volume of food even though the calories might be lower so it can feel like you're eating more food and losing more weight which I don't know about you but I dreamed about that phenomenon for years and I see it happen time and time again with my clients it's not something that can't happen and it may happen to you and it may not it just depends on kind of what our eating habits were like before that So you want to think about long-term success in terms of how can we empower ourselves with education so that two years from now, I don't have to track every piece of food that goes into my mouth. I can just simply make educated choices and you'll have more muscle mass at that time, hopefully. So if you want to hear more about how muscle mass affects all of this, um, definitely check out my fitness exercise podcast um, where I'm going to unpack the various aspects of fitness and exercise. Same with starting with a very big imminent health risk problem, bringing it all the way back down to maintenance and what things we're going to need to do to um, be able to just keep it where we're at. Um, Another good thing too for maintenance too is just check your calories every once in a while. Check, track your macros. Just see where you're at. Just seeing where your numbers are. It might surprise you. I do that every couple months just to see, track a normal day, just to see where my calories are at overall. Um, All right, guys. Well, thank you. Hopefully this was helpful. Um, If you are still struggling, reach out to me. I'm happy to help. If something wasn't clear today, reach out. I'm happy to help. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.